one more time. Welcome to the True North Church podcast, where we gather to explore faith, find inspiration, and strengthen our spiritual connection. At True North, we exist to help people navigate through the oceans of life in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Each week, we'll dive into meaningful discussions, share uplifting stories, and delve into the teachings that guide our lives. Whether you're a longtime member or a first-time listener, we're grateful to have you join us on this journey. So, let's embark on this episode of Faith, Community, and Discovery together. You, you can stand or you can sit, but just right now, just lift your hands towards heaven if you're able to. Jesus, we surrender and we receive right now. That's what it is. We receive, Lord. We receive what you've said. Lord, we we receive that word, but then also we receive so much more. Lord, I thank you. This is every individual in this room is good ground. Good ground, Lord. Good ground, Lord. I bind every attack mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally so right now, God. Lord, every voice that says that we're not the best parents, or every voice that says we're not the best individuals, every voice that, that reminds us of every insecurity and every doubt and every mistake right now, I command you, devil, to be silent right now. In Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you, Father God. We are not our worst mistakes, Lord, but we are who you achieved to be at the cross, Lord. Lord, we are your sons and we are your daughters, God. Nothing more and nothing less, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We don't move away from you, Lord, but we move with you. In Jesus' name, everybody say. Everybody say. Amen, amen. You can be seated if you're not already. Hallelujah. He's good, amen. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Thank you, Jesus. I'm very grateful for this, uh, for this series, Good Ground. Hallelujah. If you have a Bible, we're going to open up in Matthew chapter 13. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew chapter 13. We've been in it this, this month. Today is, uh, today the, if you've been fasting and praying with us collectively, the 21-day fast uh, it ended uh, last night, sun up this morning. Uh, it was funny, Kellen said, uh, when they were sitting eating breakfast, Kellen's like, oh, daddy, I, uh, I didn't count for you. I'm sorry. I didn't keep up with the days. I said, don't worry, buddy. Daddy was keeping up. I said, like, you good. Trust me. You, you good. He's like, I'm so sorry. I said, hey, don't trust me. Daddy's got it. I, I know what day I was on. You're good. And, uh, but like we said last week, don't let, um, don't let these last 21 days be the only time that you seek God. Amen. Commit to uh, commit to doing at least one day a week, or not one day a week, excuse me, one day a month, or, or a couple days a month, or three days a month, whatever it is. You know your schedule, and you know what works best for you, but also, you want to make sure it is a sacrifice. Amen. You know, don't be like, oh, you know, I'm going you know, to uh, give up beans for three days. That's, that's not a sacrifice, you know. Make sure it's a sacrifice, and make sure that when you do, that you are praying as well. Otherwise, it's just a diet, Amen. If you're, if you're not mixing prayer and reading the word with the fasting portion, then it's just a diet. It's just another uh, weight loss plan. 
<clears throat> but the game changer is when we can fast or when we can pray and read and meditate on the word of God. Amen. Amen. That's the game changer. Um, this morning, we're going to be, like I said, in Matthew chapter 13, um, still in this chapter, we, we've bounced around some. And we've talked about uh, uh, the, the parable of the sower, which is what Jesus talks about. But today we're going to go a little bit deeper, but we'll start with verse 3. <clears throat> then he told them many things in parables, talking about Jesus, saying this, Consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some, uh, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it. Still other seeds fell on good ground, there's that word, and produced fruit. Some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty times what was sown. Let anyone who hears, or let anyone who has ears, listen. Amen. Let anyone who has ears listen. So when Jesus says that last line, that means that this parable is important. Amen. Amen. Every word that comes out of Jesus' mouth is important. But I promise you, if, you, if you're reading the scriptures and you see, let anyone who has ears know that, you know, okay, this is important. He's talking to me. Amen. Many theologians, many uh, scholars would be like, oh, you know, Jesus was only talking to this group or the Apostle Paul or uh, Peter or John. They were talking to this group and this group or whatever. We love to we love to try to find the innuendos or find the loopholes. Well, that's not for me. It was for this group in that day. No, Jesus said anyone who has ears. So if you got ears, he wants you to pay attention. If we go back up to verse three, let me see if I get it pulled up. I might have to go to the back. Let's see here. Shade, will you put that on the sermon part and just hit verse three for me, please? Sorry. <clears throat> and then just verse three. Thank you. <clears throat> So when Jesus says he told them many things and parables, consider the sower who went out to sow. <clears throat> and in verse 4, as he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and the birds came and devoured them. In this scenario, the birds, the birds, uh, that's the evil one. And Jesus explained this further on in the chapter, but when we get to the portion that, we, that I really want us to get to, we'll kind of skim over that. But just to break it down, when Jesus is talking about this scenario where seed falls on the ground and birds come and gather it up. I don't know if you've ever driven out in the country and you see birds or whatever out in the field just eating. And, you know, we can't see what they're eating. Like, man, it just looks like dirt. But they know what the seed looks like. They know what food looks like. Amen. And in this scenario, the, the birds represents the evil one, how the evil one will come and try to snatch what God deposits on the inside of you. Like what happened, what we experienced in the worship, the devil instantly wants to bring up regrets or instantly wants to try to distract you or instantly wants to, wants to snatch what has been deposited on you. Even when you get up in the morning and spend time in prayer or reading, the devil, that's what he comes to get. That's the, you know, the ball's been put back in your court. Now he wants to come and try to take that. Amen. Amen. In verse 5, Jesus said, Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and it grew up quickly since the soil had no root. You know, when Jesus explained this verse, he said, This is when we lack deep roots. 
And see, when we lack deep root stress and persecution will come because we are followers of Jesus and will fall away because we don't have deep roots. Jesus said persecution will come because you love him. Because you love Jesus, persecution will come. Now, not all persecution is because of Jesus. Some persecution is, 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 uh, is self-received or, or, we've, or we've earned it based off of our mistakes or based off of we've done something that maybe wasn't quite, uh, quite right or, or we said this or said that or didn't do this, didn't fulfill this obligation. But at the end of the day, Jesus did say that some of the persecution you face, it will be because you follow Jesus. You look, on the, you look out in the world, you look out on the news, and we live in a world that is the opposite of our Savior. Amen? Amen? It's the opposite of the cross. It's the opposite of the gospel. It's the opposite of, of putting others first. In this world, everybody wants to put themselves first. You know, don't worry about what they say. Do you, boo-boo. You got to do you. You got to put your, treat yourself. And trust me, I love to treat myself. I already got a plan today. I'm going to treat myself to a nice, a nice warm cup of coffee. Javaluya. Hallelujah. It's coming. It's coming. I'm going to treat myself good. I, you can you give me all the side eyes you want. I'm a side eye as I sip. Ooh, it's going to be so good. And, I'm a, and when I sip it, I'm going to be like, Lord, you are so beautiful. Look what you have made, you know. But at the end of the day, what, uh, the, 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 the problem for us as Christians is, the balance of treating ourselves and following after God. Are we going to prioritize ourselves over God or are we going to prioritize God over ourselves? Amen. Amen. And if you are prioritizing yourself over God, then your roots aren't that deep. And Jesus said in the scripture, if your roots aren't that deep, then when persecution comes, you'll fall away. See, if a tree outside doesn't have deep roots, when a storm comes, that tree is gone tree is gone. Why? Because there's no deep roots in the ground that hold on to the earth, that when the wind comes, it, it doesn't have anything to lock on to. In verse 7, verse 7, Jesus says, other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came and choked them up. And we talked about this last week, how this is, uh, Jesus said that this is when the worries of this age and the worries of life, they, they choke out the word of God. Amen. When we get, we said it last week, but when we get consumed with the how, how's this going to work? How's this going to come together? How's this going to happen? When we get consumed with that, then the word begins to be choked out of us. Verse 8, Jesus says, still other seeds fell on good ground and produced fruit, some 100, some 60, and some 30 times what was sown. Amen? Amen. Jesus talks about how this is the person that hears and understands the word of God. Amen? We want to be hearers and doers. Amen. Amen. Somebody say, I want to be a hearer and I want to be a doer. So if you don't mind, you skip down to verse 24. Now, uh, we, uh, you know, I, when we started this series, I said uh, we'll go over the parable of the sower. But then also I said that there's actually a very scary, uh, a, a very scary challenge or a very scary warning that Jesus gives every believer in this. And just to, so you go and buckle up. If you want to, but in verse 24, we're going to be in verse 24 through 30 <clears throat> in the same chapter. Now, Jesus just finished telling about the parable of the sower. He begins to explain to his disciples what all that meant, and that's what we just went over. Now, verse 24, he, tell, he starts with another parable. He says, <clears throat> Scripture says, he presented another parable to them talking about Jesus, and the words in red, if you ever read it, if you ever read the Gospels, the words in red, those are the words of Jesus. Does anybody know why it's printed in red? Jesus' words, why it's printed in red, because it's meant to be read. 
It's a, it's a dad joke, Christian joke, whatever. <laughs> Kelsey's not here, so I can say it. <laughs> Verse 24, he presented another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven may be compared. All right, so let's highlight that for a minute. Jesus is, we, we've never seen heaven before. But Jesus is telling us, he said, even though you've never seen heaven, this is what heaven is like. Some translations that don't just say uh, heaven can be compared to this. It says, this is what heaven is like. So Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while people were sleeping, his enemy came, sowed weeds among the wheat, and then they left. I'm going to just read it all, and then we'll go back over it. Verse 26, when the plants sprouted and produced grain, then the weeds also appeared. The, land own, the landowner's servants came to him and said, Master, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Then where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he told them. So do you want us to go and pull them up, the servants asked. No, he said. When you pull up the weeds, you might also uproot the wheat with them. So let both grow together until harvest. At harvest time, I'll tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and tie them in bundles to burn them, but collect the wheat in my barn. So let's go back up to verse 24. He said, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Now verse 25, but while people were sleeping, his enemy came, sowed weeds among the wheat, and then they left. So somebody say, examine. So I love this because in verse 25, when the wheat starts to grow, so obviously the, the farmer, they plant, they plant seeds of wheat. And the scripture says that while they were asleep, an enemy came in and sowed the, sowed the seeds of weeds. Amen. So in verse 25, when the wheat starts to grow, that's when the weeds start to grow. Isn't it interesting that when the wheat starts to just, start, it didn't say that it fully had grown. It said it started to. That's when the weeds started to as well. It is, isn't it interesting that anytime you start something for God, that's when the devil wants to attack? Anytime you start to commit to a fast or you, you know, I'm a, this week going to be the week, I'm going to get up early, I'm going to spend 10, 15 extra minutes with God. And, that's, and the night before, that's when, that's when the kids want to stay up late. Or that's when somebody gets sick. Or that's when you remember a bill's due and you ain't got this. Or that's when something breaks down. You know, I'm going to commit to giving extra in my offering this month. And that's when the dishwasher breaks. Or that's when, the, that's when different appliances go out. Or that's when the car needs repair. Car didn't need repair when you was, you know, wasn't committed to doing anything for God. But isn't it interesting? Has anybody seen the correlation with this? It's interesting how the weeds didn't start growing until the wheat started growing. God sowed the seed for the wheat. That's when the devil, what he sowed, started to grow as well. So do not think it's ironic that when you start to do good for God, that's when the bottom tries to fall out. Don't just think, oh, this, this just isn't this just a coincidence. No, it is a spiritual attack to try to get you off of God's assignment for your life. Amen. Listen, the devil does not let up. Lindsay, the devil's not concerned about me. He's not concerned about you if you are in a neutral position. He is not concerned about you if you are in a neutral position. But when you are in drive for God, when you are looking out the front view mirror, not the rear view mirror, when you're looking out the front window, focus on letting him drive you to wherever he's trying to take you. That's when you are an issue. That's when he wants to bring up all the different potholes. That's when he wants to bring up all the different check engine lights in your life to make you, oh, oh, oh. you know, it wasn't like this before. Maybe I, maybe I need to, okay, God, maybe I need to pause this commitment thing. 
If the devil could get you to pause the commitment, ooh, he's happy then. Church, do not pause your commitment. Do not pause your passion for the Lord. Amen. That's not in the notes, but I don't know who that's for. Do not pause your passion for Jesus. Amen. Don't pause reading. Don't pause praying. Don't pause putting others before yourself. Don't pause blessing people. Don't pause doing the right thing. Don't pause taking the high road. Don't pause going the extra mile. Amen. It's not just ironic that, that, that everything happens. Life happens when you start to go uh, gung-ho for God. Amen. <clears throat> Notice they could, they could tell a difference between the weeds and the wheat. Because they said when they appeared, they're like, hey, hey, this isn't, this, what, what is this? What is this? You know, some theologians believe that the weeds were actually ryegrass. Now, I'm not a farmer. I don't know if you knew this. You may have thought it, but I'm not. I'm not a farmer. I remember back in our first year of marriage when we lived in Cleveland, Tennessee. You know, uh, one of the things, uh, we lived near a, uh, near like a little uh, mom and pop farmer's market or whatever, farmer's produce market. And they would always have uh, strawberries and stuff. And Kelsey would go out there and get strawberries. I mean, it was fresh, all these different things. And it was, it was really good. And when winter came, uh, winter had come, you know, we'd go to the store and get, you know, our fruits and vegetables. It was just higher. And I'm like, Phew. I remember one time I was like wearing, we, we was in Bilo, and it's called Food City now. And I was like, Kelsey, man, I don't want to pay these prices for this. Why would, you know, we wasn't paying this back in the summer. And she's like, that's because we was getting them homegrown. I was like, well, maybe we need to grow them. So, you know, I start to look up all the work. Uh, you know, I'm on YouTube looking up, and, you know, I'm looking for like a two-minute, three-minute video. Couldn't find one of those for a garden. Well, no three-minute garden videos. It was 20 and 50 or 20 minutes and 30 minutes, an hour video. So I was like, Hey, Kelsey, you want to watch this? Uh, yeah, you watch it, and then you, you tell me. And, uh, you know, you let me know. And I've, eventually I was like, yeah, we're just going to stick with the steward. So I'm not, I'm not a farmer. But ryegrass, it, from a distance, everybody say from a distance. From a distance, ryegrass and wheat look very similar. From a, from a distance, they look very similar. The, the, but when you get close, you get to see on the ryegrass, there's this black poisonous seed that's attached to it. But you have to be close to it in order to see it. Amen. Amen. See, uh, you know, you, you know, you have to you have to examine it. That's why I had everybody say examine, because when it comes to the things of God, you want to examine. See, all fruit looks like looks looks legit from a distance. All fruit looks legit from a distance. But I'm pretty sure if we can ask Eve, she would tell you, hey, before you dig in, you must examine. Amen. Before you dig in, you must first examine. Before you dig in, you must first examine. Amen? Amen. They could tell the difference between the weeds and the wheat. Literally, verse 26, when the plants sprouted and produced grain, the weeds, and, uh, the, the weeds also appeared. The landowner's servants came to him. Master, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Then where did these weeds come from? And the enemy did this. He told them, so do you want us to go and pull them up, his servants asked. But I love this because the ryegrass and the wheat, they look so similar. And a lot of times if we're, if we're, if we're not paying attention, the things of God and, and, you know, the good things of this world may look very similar. Oh, you know, they, they, you know they, they may not go to church, but they say they love God. Well, we need to examine why they don't go to church. Because Jesus said that, do not forsake the gathering of the brethren. 
Why? Because he knew there is strength when we come together. Like when I see all of y'all on Sunday morning, there is something that awakens within me. When we get into the house, when we are gathered together, when I seen, when I seen, uh, when I seen somebody that uh, last night at, at Walmart that, it, that comes to church here every now and then, when I seen them, there was something that unlocked within me. And they, I noticed that they, something unlocked within them, there was a smile, there was a joy that unlocked within them. Why? Because here we are, two believers, and we are come together in this space. There's something that, that unlocks, that awakens within you. There is strength that renews, amen? In fact, the Bible says that iron sharpens iron. So guess what? You become sharper when you are in the presence of other iron, amen? So we have to examine before we just dig in, before we just take in, before we just accept everything. You must first examine, amen? Listen, K Sarah, Sarah, that's not the anthem of the believer. You know, K Sarah, Sarah, whatever it may be, will be. You know, there's a very famous country song. I like it. If it's meant to be, it's going to be. Just let it be. That's not the anthem of if you follow Jesus. That's not the anthem we march to. That's not the beat. That's not the drum that we march to. Our anthem is not my will, but your will be done, O Lord. See, our anthem, the anthem of the believer is on earth as it is in heaven, O God. Our believer, in the words of the Apostle Paul, he said it best. He said, our anthem is we may experience affliction, but in every way and on every side, we're not crushed. He said, we may be perplexed, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Therefore, we don't give up and we don't quit. Amen. Our anthem is we don't quit. We do not throw in the towel. Paul said that even though our outer person, our outer body is being destroyed, our inner body at the same time is being renewed. And these momentary light afflictions are just for a moment because guess what? There is a incomparable weight of glory on the other side of heaven waiting for us. Amen. Our anthem is that we trust Jesus. Why? Because he loved us first. Our anthem is for God we live and for God we die. Our anthem is as we live, uh, if we live for Christ, we gain. If we die for him, we gain. Our anthem is nothing can separate us from his love. Our anthem is that we can go to the highest heights and he's still there. We can go to the lowest lows and he's still there. Amen. I love it because one of my favorite artists, I got, the, I got the very blessing of talking to him. And he wrote the song, and in the song, he, he's talking about grief. And he said, he said, sometimes, I don't know if I'm the thief on the left or the faith that's on the right. He said, but still, you stand in the middle when I grieve. And when I asked him about that, I said, that's such a powerful statement. I said, you got to explain it to me. And he said, no matter where I'm at, because there's sometimes where I doubt. There's sometimes when we doubt God. He said, but then there's sometimes where there, we're not in doubt. We're in full 100% faith. Either way it goes, he is still on the cross for me. I'm like, oh, wow. He said, either goes, whatever it goes, whatever, whatever space you find yourselves in, at the end of the day, what he did on the cross, it still applies to your life. Amen? It still applies to your life. I love this because in the scripture, it said that they didn't separate it because they implied that at the right time, the wheat will be distinguishable from the weeds. When they said, do you want us to separate? Do you want us to pull the weeds up? He said, no, because if you do, we may accidentally pull the wheat with it. So we're going to wait till harvest time. So by him saying, we're going to wait, lets me know and it lets us know that he knew something. He knew that, hey, 
when harvest time comes, we'll be able to tell the difference between the wheat and the weeds. And if you had the King James Version, it may say the wheat and the tare, amen? But they didn't separate it. Can I tell you why I got so excited when I learned this? Why they didn't separate it or how they knew it was distinguishable? Because wheat, it produces grain. Somebody say grain. So when the wheat is ready to be uh, pulled, it is so full of grain. It's so full of grain that, watch this, it causes the strand of wheat to bow. But watch this, the weeds produce nothing. There's nothing holding it. There's nothing that's produced, so therefore it just shoots straight up. So when you look out into this field, you got weeds that are bowed over while the weeds are shooting straight up. I love this because the wheat, it, it, once it does what it's supposed to do, what it was created to do, the posture of it changes. What, what, what does that posture look like? It looks like a posture of bowing. And Jesus said that that's the type that is gathered into his barn, the type that bows. Lindsay, what are you getting at? If we're going to be good ground, the posture of our, of our heart has to look like one that bows in the presence of God. We had to have a heart posture of bowing, of submitting to God. Luke chapter 14, verse 11, Jesus said, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Amen? Amen. Oh, Lindsay, you better preach. Guess what? You have to be bowing. This life following Jesus looks like that we are bowing before God. Lindsay, does that look like I got to walk around kneeling down every day? When I go to pray, I got to kneel down. No, 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 no. You can do that, yes, but literally a life of bowing, a heart posture of bowing looks like that. You are submitted to God in all, in all spaces, all times of the day. You are constantly looking and listening for God to tell you something or God to lead you or direct you. You are constantly putting others before yourself. You're constantly refusing the praise and applause of everybody else. You're not living by that. See, if you're going to bow, if you're going to live a life of bowing, if you're going to have a heart posture of bowing, when you wake up in the morning, you don't think, what can I do to impress everybody else? That's not your goal. That's not your aim. When you go to work, you're not thinking, okay, I know the boss is going to be here around this time, so let me, let, me, let, me, let me do this, 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 that way they can notice me. No, you do this, this, this because it's the right thing to do on the job. And if they notice you, guess what? They notice you. But if they don't notice you, that's okay. You have to be confident and know that, hey, regardless if anybody sees me, my father in heaven sees me. Amen. That's one of the things that made David so awesome. King David so awesome. Because when he was anointed king, the Bible says that the next thing he went and done, he went back to the sheep fields. Went back and tend to the sheep. And guess what? The Bible didn't say that the sheep recognized that this was King David and they started bowing down to him. <laughs> they didn't do that. He still had to clean up after them. He still had to pick one up if one got lost. He still had to take care of them. He still had to protect and defend. He still had to go out into a hot field and sweat. He wasn't concerned about if anybody saw him or not. He knew that his father had anointed him. He knew his father has seen him. A posture of bowing, it looks like us being confident and content with knowing that if nobody else sees me, my Father in heaven sees me. If nobody else tells me, man, you did a good job. You know, sometimes we, sometimes we do something that's so good, we're like, man, I wish somebody would saw that. That was so good. Lose that desire. Miss those desires. Get rid of those desires. And when you do something good, just be like, Lord, I thank you that you've seen that. 
And I thank you that, guess what? There is a reward in heaven waiting for me. Woo! You realize that every good thing we've done, there is a reward in heaven waiting for you. When we follow him to the T, when we do what he's asked for us, there is a reward in heaven for us. I, I, I posted it last week, but I said every crown that we wear, the crowns that we wear, they're only loners. Why? Because when we get to heaven, there's a point when we get to heaven, we literally take the crown that he's given us and we lay it at his feet. We lay it at his feet. Why? Because he alone is worthy. But he's given us a crown. Guess what? Your coworkers, they can't see that crown that's placed on your head. Your family members, they can't see the crown that's placed on your head. The co the, the, your peers, everybody that you went to school with, and all the people that you want to impress, they cannot see the crown that's on your head. But all of heaven, Jesus, the Father, they notice the crown that they placed on you. They notice the gifts that they placed in you. They notice the purpose that they placed on your life. Nobody may be able to see it, but they see it. And at the end of the day, when we get to heaven, we take all that he's given us and we lay it back at his feet can you be content of doing good even if nobody sees you i remember in bible college they used to tell us all the time integrity is doing is is, is literally doing the right thing even when nobody else sees you doing the right thing even when nobody else sees you the wheat they, they the posture of the wheat it changes why because it's only doing what it was produced to do Imagine if it didn't do what it was supposed to do, then it wouldn't, it wouldn't lean, it wouldn't bow, and therefore it wouldn't be distinguishable. And therefore it would get mistaken. Why? Because it wasn't doing what it was created to do. All oh, because it wasn't doing what it was created to do. Listen to this. The best and truest part of you is found when you bow your heart in God's presence. The best part of you and the truest part of you, it's found. Somebody say found. It's found when you bow in God's presence. Amen? Amen. Like I said earlier, bowing is not always kneeling during prayer. It's, it's humbling yourself. It's the refusal of self-exaltation. Because you know the only one that's worthy of being exalted is Jesus. That's why we sang there earlier. I exalt thee. I, I encourage you this week. Just find moments when you're driving down the road, even if you got to take the kids to school, even if the kids in the back, just, I exalt thee. Mommy, what you doing? I'm exalting Jesus. Join in with me, kids. I exalt thee. When you're working at work and that you're like, Lord, I'm ready to go home right now, but I exalt thee. Walking in Walmart getting groceries. I exalt thee. Find, I find moments to exalt him. We, it's nothing for us to find new songs to listen to. It's nothing for us to find new shows to watch. Can you find, can you find new moments in your day to I exalt thee, O Lord, I exalt thee. There's power in that. I exalt thee. I exalt thee, oh Lord. You feel the power with that? And all we said was, I exalt thee. But guess what the scripture says? We read it earlier. Jesus said, if you exalt me, I will lift you up. Guess what? What do we need to be elevated over? What struggles and what occurrences on the day are you? do you need to be elevated over? Lift him up, exalt him. Jesus, I exalt thee. 
I promise you, if you, listen, just because we stop fasting doesn't mean that we stop engaging with the Lord. Woo! That's one of the things the devil wants to get you. Well, the fast is over, so why don't you take, you, you sleep in in the morning. No, 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 no. The devil doesn't take a day off of trying to get you distracted. The devil does not take a day off of trying to get you to forget or to forsake or to throw away what God has deposited on the inside of you. Amen. The wheat is constantly trying to produce grain, constantly producing grain to the point that when harvest time comes, it's ready. It's ready. Amen. You are the wheat. Somebody say, I'm the wheat. You're called to be the wheat. You're called to produce what God has created you to produce. Amen. And what the devil wants to do, he wants to come in and sow something that is the opposite. And we live in a world where everybody is swinging towards the opposite. Everybody is running towards the opposite. Everybody's, oh, I don't like this way, so I'm going to do it this way. I don't like, I don't like I was, I'm going to change it. But can we stand bold and be like, no, 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 I was created to be wheat. So therefore, how God has created me, I'm going to do that. What God has created me for, I'm going to allow that to produce in me. Amen. If God's placed me on this job, so therefore, until he moves me, I'm going I'm to I'm reflect him towards my coworkers. God's placed me in this family, so therefore, I'm going to be faithful in this family. God's placed me in this marriage. I'm going to be faithful to this marriage. God has placed me with these relatives. I'm going to be faithful to these relatives and show them the goodness of God. Show them the glory of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. You are a city on a hill. You are a lamp that's set on a lampstand. Jesus said, he, you have, all these things have been done to you or for you, but not so you can be hidden, not so you can be tucked away, but so you can shine bright. Why? Because there is something in you that points people back to Jesus. You got to let it out. That's one of the things we talked about here at True North Church. Every, we want to take everything and point it back to Jesus. Everything points back to Jesus. Why? Because your life is better when he's in it. This isn't in the notes, and I've said it before, but your life is better when Jesus is in it. If your life wasn't better with Jesus in it, then you could have went to the cross. There would be no need for the cross. But your, life, your, your job is better when Jesus shows up to work, not you. Your, your, your job is better when Jesus shows up through you and not your flesh showing up to work. See, our flesh shows up to work, and we're great, and we're ready to clock out. We're ready to, I can't stand these kids. Da, 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 I can't stand this boss. I can't stand this. Can't stand that. Can, da, 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 da. The list of I can't stand grows. But when Jesus shows up to work, not only does the job get done, but everybody around the job, everybody around you wins. Why? Because Jesus is rubbing off on everybody around you. Imagine what happens when Jesus shows up to every space that you show up. Imagine when Jesus shows up at the senior center. Imagine when Jesus shows up at the gas station or in the grocery store or at the convention center or at the schools. Imagine, oh my Lord, imagine when Jesus shows up at the schools. One thing that Kelsey says every time when she drops the boys off to school, because I'm on, we're, uh, she'll have me on speakerphone. I got it in my in ears as I'm working. I hear them when the when the I can hear the door open up, and they're like, "Bye, mommy, love you." She's like, "Love you," and she says, "Act like Jesus today." Act like Jesus today, because we need them to know, hey, it's all fun and stuff, but you are at this school for a purpose. You're at this school to make this school better. 
see, the world tells us you got to send the kids to school so they can get something. Yeah, they're going to get education, but my, that school, Kwood benefits because my kids are there. Why? Because my kids know to act like Jesus, and they've seen what Jesus looks like, so therefore they're going to reciprocate that. When a kid falls down, we've been told there was one time a kid fell down, and literally Kayla went and picked the kid up and, and, and helped them get, and the teacher said, I didn't, I didn't tell him to do that. One time a kid fell down on the playground and Keenan went and prayed for the kid. I, we don't do that just so we can get the applause. We do that because guess what? That school needs to be changed. Not just that school, but every school across America, every school across Tennessee, every school. FBC is better because Mikhail and Micah will go there. Why? Because they know that they, they get to see Jesus in their mother. Therefore, they know, hey, I'm going to go act like Jesus in my little school. Whoo! Act like Jesus. There is a weight to your life. There is a weight to your life, church. There is a weight to your life. There is a responsibility to. I don't know if you. I don't know if you sense this, but there is a heaviness to your life. That's why the devil wants to take it and snatch it. Literally, the Bible says Peter says that the devil comes in like a roaring lion, seeing who he can devour. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. You don't, you, don't, you don't come to kill and steal and destroy something that's weak, something that's wimpy, something that has no value. No. You go, you're going after something that's dominant. You're going after someone that's dominant and someone that's powerful and somebody that has a force that can take you out. And guess what? That lives on the inside of you. That lives on the inside of you. The devil loves to tempt you and try to get you to belittle yourself. A lot of times we belittle ourselves. I'm big on that. We belittle ourselves, and sometimes we'll mask it and say, well, I'm just trying to be humble. No, no, no. If you're belittling the call of God, that's not being humble. That's giving into the temptation of the devil, which is you don't matter, and you're worthless, and, and what you do, and what, it, it, well, you know, those details, nobody's going to notice. Uh, they, they just don't worry about it. No, 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 no. Do not give in to the belittling of the devil. Don't give in to it. Amen. In verse 30, watch this in verse 30. <clears throat> let both grow together until the harvest. He said, let both grow together until the harvest. At harvest time, I'll tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and tie them in bundles to burn them. But collect the wheat in my barn. Collect the wheat in my barn. I remember right before we started this series, as the Lord told me that, <clears throat> was leading me and directing me with this becoming good ground. And I'm like, okay, good ground, good ground. And as I'm reading, I'm, I read the first parable, you know, the, the seed fell on this type of ground and this type of ground. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, we're going to be that. And the Lord said, keep reading. So I'm reading, I'm reading, and I read 24, what we read, 25, and 26, and 27, 28, 29. I get to verse 30, and I, I'm like, yeah, wait, what? Wait, Jesus, what did you just say? I don't know if you noticed, but he said, both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, so therefore, there is a harvest time. Somebody say, there is a harvest time. There is a harvest time. He says, gather the weeds first and tie them in bundles to what? Burn them. But collect the wheat in my barn. So the, the wheat, those that are producing what they were called to produce, go in his barn. He didn't just say, the wheat go in a barn, in a barn. They go in my barn, which is symbolic of heaven. And he says, the weeds that don't produce anything, gather them up first. 
tie them to be burned. So guess what? You are, there, there, there's two type of harvests that's going to happen. There's, there's a harvest for, for those that are producing and those that aren't producing. And this is the scary warning I talked about there. There are two groups. There's two harvests, one barn and one furnace. Two groups, one har- or two harvests, one barn and one furnace. The wheat are gathered and stored in the farmer's barn. That's important. It, there's, there, there's days where it may not feel like anybody sees you doing what the Lord has called you. That's okay because at the end of the day, he sees and he tells his angels to gather and put you in his barn. The others are gathered up and bundled together to be burned. The world is great at producing weeds. The world is great at producing weeds. And guess what? To our flesh, it feels good to be a weed. It feels good to be, to be ryegrass. It feels good to be the tear. It feels good to, to, to please yourself, to treat yourself. It feels good to, to step over everybody else and make sure that you are noticed so you get the promotion, so you get the raise, so you get the accolades, so you get the applause, so you get this and you get that and you, 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 you. It's good to feel that way to our flesh. But Jesus said the flesh is not what's thrown in the barn. The wheat, the type, of, the type of grass, the type of fruit that's, that's in a posture of bending and bowing. That's what he's after. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 4, he said, My father desires those that worship. There it is. And worship is a posture of bowing. He said, My father desires those that bow. Does that mean I got to bow everywhere I go? No. But it means that this heart, because we said it before, but the Bible says that God, he doesn't look at this. He looks at this. He doesn't look at this. He doesn't look at this tall glass of chocolate milk. He looks at this heart right here. He looks at this heart. And this this tall glass of chocolate milk may be smiling and telling y'all bless you, but he looks at this heart and says, what does that heart do? The, the outward appearance of you may be saying God is good and God's got my back and God's doing all these different things, but he's looking at that heart to try to see, hey, what does that heart say? Does that heart fully believe that I'm good? Does that heart fully agree with me? Is that heart loyal to me? Is your heart loyal to God or is it just lip service? Is your heart loyal to the point that you can worship him? During the week, or is it just on Sundays and then Wednesday night prayer? Is your heart loyal to the point that you find yourself that, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to cut the TV off and I'm going to dig into this one verse so I can, so I can feel him more, so I, can, so I can learn more, so I can see him greater, so I can behold him, so I can become like, what does that heart do? What does that heart do? Because that heart, that's the distinguisher, distinguishing factor for you. That's going to be the distinguishing factor for you. That's going to keep, that's going to separate you from the rye grass. That's going to separate you from the tear. That's going to separate you from everybody else in the world. We live in a world where everybody wants to be different. Everybody wants to be noticed. Everybody wants to be distinguishable. Guess what? I'm going to tell you how to do that. You bow before the Lord. You want to be different than everybody else? You bow before God. You want to be different than everybody else? You bow and you put others before yourself. You want to be different? You, you, you take care of others. You, you, you seek the betterment in everybody else. 
We said it in our Advent series, but agape love, what agape love looks like, it looks like enemies becoming friends and working for the betterment of each other. See, it's easy for me to be your friend when I know you like me. But can you be somebody's friend when you know that they don't like you? Can you look out for their good even when you know that they're going to talk about you and do you wrong? Oh, that hits because I'm talking to myself. Can, can you do that? You know, there's sometimes where like uh, uh, at work and we have to we have to we have to bundle up together. And, you know, instead of just one person going to doing a piece of uh, uh, an area, sometimes they'll send two by twos. Uh, you know, nobody says it, but we all got that. You know, we all got that one person we ride that we, we want to ride with. And we got that one person we don't want to ride with. And depending on if I prayed that morning, and if I know I got to bundle up with somebody, sometimes I haven't prayed that morning, but then I pray, Lord, please don't let me ride with so-and-so. Lord, you know so-and-so is a heavy smoker, and you know that every time I ride in the truck with them, even though they, they roll the window down, it blows all right back in. Then my uniform gets like that, then I got to go throw it on top of the truck and bunny, bungee cord it to the truck and drive down 412 to try to get the smoke sent out of it. Or now I got to wash it. On a day I wasn't going to wash this. All these complaints. When the Lord's like, hey, that, yes, that's, that's, yes, that's, that's not, that's not, that's not great. Or yes, that's unpleasant. But maybe I'm bundling you with her because she needs me through you. Maybe, maybe he's putting certain people in your life or you're seeing them on the frequent or, or you, whatever it is, they come upon your mind. We all have those moments where so-and-so comes on your mind, so-and-so comes on your heart. It's not by random. God doesn't do anything random. He doesn't do anything by chance. But there is a reason that they are coming upon your heart. There's a reason they're coming upon your mind. There's a reason that you are seeing them. I remember... A while back, I remember telling mom, I was like, man, I, mom, I miss this one person I grew up with. And I told her who it was. And it was to the point that, like, when I was working, I was crying. And I hadn't seen them since I was a little kid. I started crying over the fact that I had not seen them and I was missing them so bad. And I, I didn't know why. And later on, I realized that it was my spirit grieving. It was God trying to, trying to sow something into me, try to get me aware and to pray for that person. And if that wasn't enough, the next day, the next day, I'm at Walmart getting something really quick. And I, I, I passed by this lady that looks like the kid's mother. I was like, man, I look like so-and-so. I was like, and the spirit stopped me right there. And I knew it was the Holy Spirit. I was like, yes, sir. I literally backed up. I went up to her. I said, hey, I don't mean to bother you. And uh, I said, and I smiled because smile, smile can diffuse a lot of things. So I don't mean to bother you. I said, but are you, and when I smile, she's like, Lindsay. I said, you are who I think you are. She said, yes. And she began to weep right there in the bread aisle of Walmart, began to weep and fell upon me. I hugged her. I'm weeping too. And she said, you don't know how good it is to see you. And she said, let me tell you about my son. And I was like, please, I, I've been, I've, I've missed him dearly. And she said, he needs prayer. I need you to da-da-da-da. Are you, are you, do you still believe? I said, oh, yes, I believe. And right there, in the bread aisle. In the bread aisle. Not nothing, I mean, I guess you could say spiritual, Jesus, the bread of life, whatever. But in the bread aisle. Listen, there is nothing by chance that God is doing to you. It's not by accident. It's not by random, church. He is using you. He is using you to reach this county and this town. 
He is using you to reach the co-workers. He is using you to reach your friends. He's using you to reach anybody and everybody that you come in contact with, whether it was in the past or whether it's tomorrow or today. Why? Because that person that I was missing, he wants him. He wants to wrap his loving arms around him. And he knew, okay, how am I going to do that? We're going to start with Lindsay. We're going to plant a seed in his heart. That's going to look like wheat. And in the middle of the story, he's going to have a posture of bowing. And when he bows, there's going to be something that connects. Let's be that to the point that you have a posture of bowing. Then in the right time, there's something that connects and a spark that flies. And what he's deposited on the side of you goes on to somebody else. And guess what? What was deposited on her in that moment is eventually going to get on to him. And, guess, and after that, we ran into each other for the next three weeks. Even in Jackson, I'm working. And there she is getting out, coming out of Starbucks with her and her daughter. And I was like, I hadn't seen her. So then we had a moment then. So now we got, we got multiple moments of, hey, I need, listen, what God's deposited on the side of me, it's getting to you now. It's going to get to your daughter. And eventually it's going to get to your son. We're going, we're going to reconcile him in the name. And she's like, you keep praying. I said, I am praying. Are you praying? She said, oh, I haven't stopped. I'm like, that's, yes. That's what it's like. That's what we need. That's what your family needs. That's what your friends need. Amen. Two groups, two harvests, one barn, one furnace. You are going to decide which one you fall into. You're going to decide. The wheat decided that it was going to be wheat and just produce what it was going to produce, what it was created to produce. The weeds decided they were going to be weeds and produce nothing. Produce nothing. You think about it, when weeds grow up in your, in your yard, you don't like, oh, look at those weeds. No, there's, there's, a, there's a level of righteous indignation in you that rises up. We need to get rid of these weeds. I mean, there's a whole aisle dedicated to killing weeds. Amen? Why? Because weeds produce nothing. Weeds produce nothing. If there's nothing being produced in your life, then you need to back up and examine and say, okay, Lord, if there's nothing being produced in my life, am I bowing to you on the daily? Am I bowing? Lord, am I, am I surrendering to you? Am I submitting to you? Am I exalting you? Or am I just exalting my needs? Jesus said, we read it last week, he knows your needs. And it's okay to pray like this. Let me give you an example. Lord, these, this, this, this is what I need. Lord, this, I, t- I told the Lord, Lord, we got soccer trials, or not soccer, we got, uh, we got soccer sign-ups coming up, and we got baseball sign-ups coming up. Lindsay, none of this applies to me. I'm just giving you a, a peep into my prayer life. I'm like, Lord, it's going to cost this much money. Lord, will you provide it for me? Lord, will you provide it for me? Lord, you know this brings my kids joy, so Lord, will you provide it for me? And I'm not going to stress. In Jesus' name, amen. And then move on. Just move on. The game changer is, and I'm not going to stress about it. The game changer is, and I'm not going to stress about it. Because he promised, he said, if we seek his kingdom first, everything else will be, all, everything else will be taken care of. So if I'm putting my needs in his hands and I'm only focused on what he's asked me to do, as I'm doing that, everything else over here, it's going to get taken care of. 
as I'm focused on being good ground, as I'm focused on bowing, as I'm focused on praying, as I'm focused on when I walk in the store, don't just be focused on me, but be like, okay, Lord, is there anybody I need to talk to while I'm in here? As long as I'm focused, as long as that's what's in my front windshield, everything else in the side compartments, everything else in the back seat, everything else uh, in the trunk is going to get taken care of, amen? We want to be good ground, and this is how we do it. Amen? Somebody say, this is how we do it. We be good ground. We're going to be good ground. Can I tell you something the Lord tell me, and I promise I'll close. About a few weeks ago, I was, I was, I was getting upset, and I was frustrated. I'm working, and I, I was getting frustrated because I wasn't seeing the results that I wanted to with, with the church. And I'm just like, Lord, what about this? What about that? What about this? And I told her one time during uh, one of the nights of prayer. And he told me, he said, Lindsay, this is, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. He said, why do you think I asked y'all to be water or go from, uh, go, why did I ask y'all to be new wine last year? And I thought about it. Oh, wait. Because the new wine can't be stored into the old wine. If it, if, if it, so we have to be new wineskins. And the only reason we're being new wineskins because there's being new wine that's being poured. I'm like, okay. Okay, oh, oh, that's right. Okay, so Lord, you really are going to do some changes. You really are going to grow us. He's like, yes. But you got to quit worrying. You got to quit putting, well, you got to lose your timeline of what, when you think it's going to happen. I'm like, Okay. Took a deep breath. I'm like, okay, Lord, it's in your hands. It's in your hands. I'm like, okay. Feel a little bit better. And then the devil tried to bring it all back. And I'm like, no, 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 no. The Lord said. The low. And I'm talking. I'm literally. No, the Lord said that it's going to happen. Whatever word the Lord is giving you, remind yourself when the devil tries to give you his own word. No, no, no. The Lord said that she was going to be saved. No, the Lord said that he was going to deliver her. No, the Lord said that he was going to bring my family back into the house of the Lord. No, the Lord said that I, I am the head and not the tail, so therefore I'm not going to have to live in lack and poverty all my life. No, the Lord said that he had a calling and a purpose for me. This 9 to 5 is just another vehicle to get me to where he's called me to be. No, the Lord said. 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 He said it. We sung it before, but if he said it, guess what? You can believe it. You can believe it. Amen. His words are yes and amen. Yes and amen. Oh, Lord, you're so good, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you. You're making us good ground this morning. This is a year that we are going to become good ground. Our lives are not going to be. Thank you for listening to the True North Church podcast. If you're not already following us on social, check out our website at truenorth731.com to find direct links to our pages. Also, if you would like to contribute to the work we are trying to do, you can click the safe and secure giving link and follow the prompts. Thank you for helping us build and strengthen our community. Until next time, have a great day.